Good morning, church family. It's so good to have you joining us here today, live on Facebook. Um, If I haven't met you before, my name is Lockie, and I am one of the pastors here at Gold Coast Central Church. Over the last couple of months as a church community, we've been going through a journey of looking into what it means for us to implement our vision here at church. Our vision is to draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus. And the way we do that is we have a model for ministry. Um, And that model is that we want people to know God, we want them to find freedom, we want them to discover purpose, and then finally we want them to make a difference. And so last month we talked about those first two steps, knowing God and finding freedom. And last week we began the second part of this series where we've been talking about discovering purpose. And so last week, Pastor Mike talked about how as a church, we have a really special message, a special message that's found in the book of Revelation chapter 14. There we find the good news of Jesus that we're encouraged to preach to the entire world. And how as a church, part of our job is to take that message of hope and of joy and spread it to the world around us. There are three parts to that message and the different parts all point to the seriousness of it. That these, this is not just about having a great life today, but this is about our eternal destiny. And Mike did an incredible job of preaching into that. And if you'd love to go back and watch that message for a bit of context, um, that was what last week's message was about. And now today, we're going to talk again about the topic of discovering purpose, except on a more personal level. See, I believe that God has given you and he's given me an individual, unique purpose in this life. And we're going to be talking into that today, so get excited. My great-granddad on my mum's side uh, was actually uh, a part of the British Army. And if you've seen the movie Dunkirk, you will see, to some extent, a depiction of one of the parts of his journey in that army and what he went through. As a a young man, he was in the army, and he um, was a part of that, that Dunkirk effort. And he actually was a part of uh, the, 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 the core of the British Army that were taken back across the English Channel. Now, it was actually really cold at, uh, at this time. And what that meant was that they would give each of the soldiers a rug to put over themselves as they would sleep um, when they were getting taken back across the Channel. And it was so cold that what a lot of the soldiers would do is that they would um, team up with someone else. They would huddle close together for warmth and then have two rugs over the top of them. And as my great-granddad was getting taken back across the English Channel that night, the ship he was on was actually blown up. Now, he wasn't killed. He survived. And he did that by holding onto a piece of wood in the freezing cold waters for the whole night. He was picked up by another ship coming back the next morning and ended up surviving the ordeal. However, the man who he was sharing a blanket with was never found. Now, I tell you this story because I have a bit of a thing for learning about my heritage, about where I come from. Another example is I have a step-granddad who, um, he's from Norway. He grew up in Norway. And uh, I like to say, you know, I, I have that Viking uh, heritage in me, even though it's not in my blood. It's, uh, it's part of who I am. And it, the, the truth is, it doesn't matter what your background is or what your heritage is, because no matter who we are, God calls each and every one of us to embrace who he has made us to be. And that's my big idea for today is that God has called you, he has called me to to fully recognize and embrace who he he has created us to be. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to meet together online. 
Um, we don't take it for granted. We just lean in now to what you're saying and to what you're doing. I pray, Lord, that you will speak through me now, that you will give us receptive hearts to what you're saying. And I say this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to go straight to the Bible this morning. And on the screen below me here, hopefully, there will be a verse appearing from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. And it's from verse 10. And, and this verse, is, it comes at the end of a passage that I actually shared on a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about finding freedom. But this verse here is really important to preface the discussion that we are about to have about discovering purpose. Here, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus was a well-known cultural and religious and economic hub of the Roman Empire. And it was well-known for being a place of pagan worship, where there are a whole bunch of religious practices that really undermined the value um, of, of, of human beings. And Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he ends this passage of talking about being made alive in Christ with this verse, with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and it says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, that word masterpiece there is really interesting. You see, Paul could have used uh, another word in the Greek, which would imply work or deed. That word is ergon. Instead, he used the word poema. Now, ergon is just a basic thing for work or deed. Um, I might say, you know, um, my, my ergon is, um, you know, I go to the shops and buy food. That's like an ergon that I do. That's a work or a deed. Poema, however, is a, is, is a much more specific and specialized word. And we get the impression that Paul deliberately uses this word here because it's only used on one other occasion in the whole New Testament. And that's to refer to God's creation. Now, this word masterpiece, it implies artistry or, or professionalism that's breathed into this creation. You think about um, some of the famous artists you know, that, have, that have gone uh, before us in history. Da Vinci, those kind of guys. I'm, I'm lost for, uh, for names at the moment. But just think of those famous artists and you can think of their, of their artwork and because of the artist that created the artwork, that, that painting can sell today for tens of thousands of dollars. Now you might uh, think that objectively it's not a great piece of art, but because of the artist that's created it, it has a higher value. And you see, because God has created humanity... He assigns to them a value that is proportionate to the one who's created them. And God, rather than simply calling you a work or a deed, calls you a masterpiece. It implies that God took specific effort and attention to creating you in the way that he did. But it's not just an aesthetic creation. God didn't just create you as a masterpiece to be looked at, although that would be nice. No, God, it says, created us to do good works. God created us as masterpieces to do good things. That is how he created us to be. And that's really important for us to remember as we start this discussion of what it means for us to discover purpose, because we need to remember that we are not created by accident. Rather, God created us on purpose and for a purpose. And as he's created us, he has also put hints within us as to what our purpose will be. 
And as we read through Scripture, what we see in a couple of other sections, we see Paul hinting at these, uh, these, 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 these flagposts, these, these hints that God has placed when he created us as to what our purpose is. And we're going to look at a couple of passages now that outline that. And the first of those is in Romans chapter 12. Now, this is a, a pretty famous passage that you may have read before, but I want you to consider it in the light of discovering purpose. Romans chapter 12, again, we have Paul writing here to a different group of believers now, but he writes this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, on the surface level, we can look at that and think, oh, that word body, that's just talking about um, you know, my, my physical body, like who I am. And while it is talking about that, the Greek root of that word implies that it's a comprehensive word, that it's, a, it's an all-encompassing term that refers to not just our physical body, like our actions um, or, our, or our skills, but it's also our talents, it's our passions, it's our motivations, it's, to, it's our desires, it's all of us. Offer all of your body to God as a living sacrifice. That's what true worship is. It's for us to submit everything to God, to fully surrender ourselves to Him, and to give it all to Him to use. And so the first hint that I think God places in us are the skills, the abilities, the passions that He has given us. That is the first hint that helps us to see what our purpose is. The second hint that I believe God places in us is found, uh, again by Paul, in the book of Second. Corinthians. Second Corinthians is written to a separate church again in the church of, of Corinth. And in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we read, All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they're troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Now Paul writes to the church in Corinth here, and I believe to us as well today, that the second hint that we have as to what our purpose is when we're on this journey of discovering purpose is to look at what are the tough experiences or the pains that we have gone through in life. Because just as God is a comforter for us in that moment, so we are to go and be comforters to others in that space as well. Now, some people will read this passage and uh, they will say a phrase which, uh, if, if I'm being honest, recently has started to irk me a little bit. And it is this, oh, everything happens for a reason. You know, God allows everything to happen for a reason. You know, you'll go through bad experiences and tough times because, you know, God wants to use it to glorify himself. And I'm not quite of that persuasion Simply because if you say that everything happens for a reason and that God allows everything to happen for a reason, what it does is it says not just the good things and the great things that you get to go through, but those tough experiences, those hard times that God deliberately put you through those things. That paints God as like a tyrant, as, a, as, a, as someone that's a bit sadistic or messed up. No, no, what, what I believe is that we go through experiences and tough times and then when we come to the point where we want to follow Jesus and we're converted, that God doesn't just convert us. He doesn't just change our lives, but he actually converts our past as well. 
He converts our tough experiences. He converts our struggles, our pains, our temptations, everything that we've gone through. And they go from being something that um, previously was a source of guilt and shame to something that can be used to, be, to bring comfort to others to show others, hey, this is how good God is, that he brought me from this space of pain and suffering. Maybe it was addiction. Maybe it was um, a lack of identity or purpose. And he's brought me to this place. When, when we look at those things, not as a point of shame or guilt, but rather as a testimony to how good God is, that is when we're on the journey to discovering purpose. And so we have our skills, our talents, our abilities, our passions, and we have our pains and tough experiences. And you might be thinking, well, this is kind of cool, but it just sounds like a little bit of Christian self-help. And you're right in suggesting that, uh, because if you really want to discover purpose and experience that peace and satisfaction that surpasses understanding, then what you need is this third hint that God gives to us as to what our purpose is. And we, we see Paul again writing about this in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you really want to take your discovering purpose to the next level, then this is what you need to know and apply. So as we read from verse 4 of, of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. There are some really interesting things that we discover as we read this passage. If you want to discover purpose, if you want to take your journey with God to the next level, if you want to take that next step in your journey, what you need to do is to discover the gifts that God has given to you. That final verse, verse 7, suggests that when we come to believe in God and to follow Him, that the Holy Spirit gives us a gift to use so that we can help each other. Later on, Paul, Paul goes on to talk about how we're one body with many parts. And as a result of this whole passage in chapter 12, we get the impression that we actually need each other to be each other as a church. Like, like I need you to be you so that I can be me because we both have different gifts, have different skills and those gifts are going to be, are come to fruition in a, in, a, in, a, in a different way which means that we're going to be able to help each other and to serve each other and to serve the community around us. And this is the difference, these spiritual gifts are the difference between someone who is able to do good things and then the person who we talked about at the start who is able to do the good things that God planned for them long ago. When we discover purpose, you see, when you discover purpose, you won't just feel good about yourself. You will feel like you were made for this. You will get that feeling of, yeah, I'm, I'm doing what God has created me to do. And I feel like I was made for this. But there is something that I think is becoming more and more prevalent in the world around us today that I believe um, will really strongly disrupt your ability to discover purpose and then to walk in purpose. And it is something that I've wrestled with a lot and it's something that I know many of us experience a lot. And it's this, comparison. Because comparison will take your eyes 
off of pursuing what God has in store for you and will put it onto someone else and then onto yourself. Comparison will tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not, that you're not equipped enough, that you're not skilled enough, that you're not exciting enough, that you're not beautiful enough, that you're not valuable enough because someone else might be more so in a particular area. And I believe that comparison is one of the the, the most powerful tools that Satan uses to disrupt us from discovering the purpose that God has in store for us. And I've got a little point to illustrate here. So I want to invite two people up on stage, which is Pastor Mike and Tom. Usually I'd say give them a round of applause, but it's a bit hard. So what I want you to do is send some love to them in the comments. Give them a thumbs up or a love heart or something. And Mike, I'm going to get you to stand over here. And then Tom, I'll get you to stand over this side here. Usually we'd, uh, we'd end up this illustration holding hands, but because of the current situation, we're going to be distancing a little bit socially, which is fine. But what we're all going to do now is we're all going to face the right. And hopefully you can see all three of us. And what you will see on the far right of your screen is Tom. Now, Tom was baptized just over a year ago, I believe. He'd been a Christian for a lot of his life. But um, I think it'd be fair to say from, from my conversations with him that uh, you know, he, he's taken more ownership of his own faith journey um, a bit more recently than when, than when he was a lot younger. Um, for me, I am a first-year intern pastor here at Gold Coast Central Church. I graduated from Avondale last year studying ministry and theology. Um, but as you'll see, I'm facing Mike, who's been in ministry for over 25 years. Um, he's done some incredible things for the kingdom of God. And what this represents is comparison. Because Tom might look at me and see someone who is further along in a particular area of their faith journey and get discouraged. While at the same time, I'm looking at Mike and I'm getting discouraged because there are some areas that he is incredibly uh, more skilled or talented at than myself. And Mike may be looking further down the line to someone else who is better than him in some areas. And comparison is never fair Because Tom, myself, and Mike have all been through different circumstances and situations. It is only ever fair to compare yourself to someone else if you've been through the exact same circumstances, experience, context, you have the exact same skills. You know, there there is never going to be such thing as a fair comparison. But what this activity does, if I'm looking to Mike who's ahead of me and Tom's looking to me who's ahead of him, what it naturally does is it forces us to look at ourselves. And there we see inadequacies. We, we, we see uh, self-doubt. We see a lacking. And this is the attitude of many of us as a result of things like, like social media, where people put the highlights of their lives up. You know, they put all the great things that they get to do. We can look at that and think, man, these people have it much better than I do. Comparison is this approach. But what we're all going to do now is just turn to our left and face the front. And what this represents is instead of us looking at those that might be ahead or behind us in our spiritual journey, we are all looking in the same direction. We are all looking towards Jesus and his plan for us. Usually at this point, I'd get us to hold hands and step forward together. We're not going to hold hands. We're just going to step forward. You see, when we're in community and we're all trying to discover purpose, we can actually help each other along that journey. Rather than looking at each other people and getting discouraged, when we all look to Jesus, we can take others on that journey with us. Thanks for joining me with that, guys. I appreciate it. So that illustration has hopefully pointed out to you uh, something to do with comparison and why it's a flawed idea. 
the only fair comparison for you to ever make is to the person that you were yesterday. We can't afford to get caught up in comparing ourselves to other people because it takes our focus off what God is calling us to do and who God is calling us to be. A preacher I heard once said this. He said, the only person God cannot save is the person you pretend to be. God looked at this world and he decided that it needed one of you, that you had a contribution to make, that you had a difference to make. He didn't create the person that we pretend to be, the person that we try to be like. No, God created us and he invites us to embrace wholeheartedly who he has created us to be. I want to share a little story in the space of comparison because it's been a journey that I've been on for the last couple of months. For those of you that have uh, been a part of the Gold Coast Central Church family for, for, for a while, you will remember uh, a man who was previously in my position, whose name is Dave. And from the conversations I've had with people, the discussions that I've shared, and the way that he is fondly remembered, I gather that Dave made an incredibly powerful contribution to this church, that he was and still is an incredibly powerful minister of the gospel. But if I'm being honest, when I first came to this church, Every conversation I had, people would be like, oh, you're the new Dave. You're the next Dave. You're going you're gonna to be like Dave. And it was kind of tongue-in-cheek a lot of the time. But if I'm being honest, what happened is that in my head, instead of asking, okay, what does God want me to do? I started asking myself the question, oh, what would Dave do here? What would Dave do? You know, and I got caught up in this trap of comparison. And this really came to a climax um, in December last year. I was preaching at a summer camp up at Summerfest with some of our 16 to 18-year-olds uh, from this conference up here. And, and I preached the first sermon, um, and I was just trying to kind of be someone who I guess I wasn't to some extent, trying to, trying to be as good as Dave was at, at, at his role. And I just ended that night feeling so discouraged. I felt like the sermon I had preached was terrible, that it didn't make an impact. And then through a mentor of mine, um, God really spoke a word to me that God wasn't calling me to be Dave, to be a pastor like Dave, as good as he is. God was calling me to be me. And that night as I lied in bed, the words that God brought to mind have stuck with me since, and I believe they have changed the way that I do ministry. The words that God impressed on my mind as I was lying in bed that night was that, Lockie, I have not called you to be successful in ministry. I've called you to be faithful. Because when you're faithful, any times that you experience, that you feel like, you know, people uh, haven't been converted or haven't received the message, or the times when, when you feel like, you know, heaps of people have responded in a really powerful way. If you try and be successful, you will take the credit or you will take the burden of that upon yourself, where I'm actually responsible for that. And so every morning when I get up, as part of my morning routine, what I have to say to myself now is that, God, you are calling me to be faithful. And I leave any success or failures in your hands. Because it grounds me every day in the truth that, that God isn't calling me to be someone else. And God isn't calling you to be someone else either. God is calling you to be truly and authentically who he has created you to be. 
He has placed within you some hints as to what your purpose is. But it's a journey that we all enter into and continue through our whole life. You might be towards the, the senior end of the, of the age group that are tuning in today and you might be thinking, well, I'm getting a bit, a bit older now and I don't really know if God has heaps more uh, to do through me. But I want to share with you that for as long as you have breath in your lungs, God is not finished working in your life. You might be a bit younger and thinking, well, you know, I've, I've got my whole life ahead of me. How do I know what God wants me to do? How do I make God a priority in my life? And to that, what I would like to respond with is that I want you to, to, to consider what are the skills that God has given me? What are the passions and the talents he's given me? You know, what, what are the experiences that I've already been through in my life? And then what are the spiritual gifts that God has given me? Because as we grow in our understanding of those things, what we find is God leading us in different ways down a path towards a place where we eventually realize one day, it's like, oh, I'm doing what I feel like I was made to do. As I close, I want to ask you to make a commitment. Usually, I will ask people to raise their hands or do something physical about that. It's a bit difficult to, to, to do that in this space at the moment. Um, but wherever you're tuning in from, whether it be from uh, your, your living room, whether it be from a train station, I don't know where you're tuning in from. But I want, if, if you want to make a commitment to getting on this journey of discovering purpose, to, to being faithful to what God has asked you to do and how he has created you, then I just want you to, to say this prayer after me now as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for creating me in a unique and special way. I commit today to being faithful to who you have created me to be. And I want to remain in that space moving forward. I love you, Jesus. Amen.